the party transported back to the Underdark, fully rested, have to make a decision. Do they fight, or do they run? Welcome to episode 13 of the Order of Mykeel Campaign Diaries. Welcome to the Pudding King's Domain. Creed not only set the party back in the Underdark, healed, but a little stronger and with a few extra goods. The party makes a decision about whether they should fight or whether they should run. And they decide that maybe the best course to flee the drow will be to ambush the initial search party and then run away from there. So they travel down a small cave network and they find a Y junction where they plan an ambush. Gus makes the sound of breathing traveling down one corridor while John creates an illusion of a set of wall cave that block the path in front of them. And they lie in wait to ambush the drow party that move forward. As they get close, the drow stop. And then they begin to back up away from the illusion. And so the party springs into action and attacks. And battle ensues. The drow warriors casting fairy fire, trying to mark the party for better attack. And the drow mage casting cloud kill, creating a painful stinking cloud in the center of the engagement area the party however able to spread out around that john begins slinging stones is able to break concentration of the mage azarak and lrm move forward to engage the drill guards and distract them while marcus comes in is able to stab one in the throat after the drill falls down a cloud dark rises from the corpse and Marcus breathes it in the foul cloud entering his lungs. He seems quite pleased with the change. The mage, sensing the tide of battle has turned, seems to disappear and doesn't return during the battle. The party finishes off the last couple of drow and one is able to flee while they are able to keep one alive. And they use that drow, demanding that he lead them deeper into the caves to find a safe spot. He seems fairly accommodating, but, you know, not the most intelligent. They ask him questions, and he guides them around, tells them not to touch a strange ooze, and then lets them hide in a chamber recommended by him, this forest gump of the Underdark. After sitting for a short period of time and questioning the drow and feeling that they have no more useful information, John pulls him aside in a quiet corner while the party discusses what it is they'll do. Do they trust staying in this place, don't they? Cedra shows up and smirks at the party, wondering what they're doing hiding in one of the drow guards' hiding holes. John, quietly takes out his gem life-stealing dagger and slits the throat of the poor drow and returns to the group. Cedra asks them what it is that they want to do and says, well, I can lead you through the Underdark. And so the party decides that they will head to Blingdenstone, a Svefneblen settlement. It's about a week journey away, but Cedra knows how to guide them through the Underdark with very little problems. And so they travel as fast as possible to flee the search. With Cedra being able to cover their tracks fairly well, they're able to evade capture. 
when they arrive on the outskirts of Snefnerblin. During that week, Azarek, curiously, does not transform. And so they arrived in Blingdenstone, and Cedrus tells the party that she's once again going to drop them off and leave them. I've got, well, no love for the Snefnerblin, and they have none for me. It's probably best I don't join you. So the party walks up the steps, and they see a crew of deep gnomes blocking a doorway. And the party engages them. And so one of them, the Snefnerblin, tells them that there's a threat to their town. Curiously, this deep gnome only speaks in limerick. And they kind of go along with it, and they end up agreeing that they should go kill this pudding king that has driven the entire town from their homes. And so the party moves past an occupied section of town, past a set of barricades, um, and enters into an uninhabited region, the old town of Blingdenstone. As they travel in, Draki is able to speak to a pair of gelatinous cubes. The cubes converse with Draki, and Draki tells the party that, hey, we shouldn't attack these things, and the cubes then engulf Draki. Still trying to communicate with them, he pulls his head out of the cube and says, hey, hey, it's all right, let's not attack them. And the cubes continue to chomp and devour, dissolving Draki and trying to take the rest of the party. And so the party begins to attack and a fight breaks out. During the fight, several giant badgers rush the party. Marcus is able to stab one in the eye and, well, the party decapitates the other badgers. And then a black pudding arrives, acidic, caustic. Aloran takes out his blessed halberd, slices the pudding in half. And now they have two puddings that they have to deal with. They continue to slice it in half, though, and are able to kill it. And they are able to kill one of the gelatinous cubes as well, collapsing in a puddling ooze before the other cube leaves it tells Draki that they're going to have to get the big ones since they are a threat to the Pudding King. With that the fart sound ensues and uh, well the party runs away sees the oozes run away. Most of the party is perfectly fine wondering why they have this little side adventure with the cubes though Draki is feeling a little worse for the wear. Now it's time for some DM's thoughts. I think I'm just trying to generally get this out uh, in time. So session 14 is tonight. So um, it was really interesting. So I guess the first thing, I, I didn't anticipate exactly that it would go down the way it would. Um, so I had to throw it together the first ambush, which is fine. I already had kind of a canned, uh, if the drow attacked the party, what would the, that consist of and who would it be? And then the party... Um, you know, they, they decide that they're going to run and not try and, I guess, flee exactly, but go to kind of lick their wounds in a place. And so they chose Blingdenstone, which is fine. I have the book out of the abyss. And so I was able to accommodate it. Um, took me a bit to load the map. 
I kind of thought what they would do is they would flee and then they would get pursued and we'd be doing a chase thing. So I had all these things for if the different houses caught up with them or the mercenaries or whoever. One of them was potentially Cedra would catch up with them, which the luck of the dice said, okay, well, Cedra shows up, um, which then, you know, it made the most sense narratively that well if Cedra's there she's able to generally help conceal their path and guide them through the underdark so they would have very little problems uh she's a very experienced ranger in the underdark would make the most sense so um she guides them to uh Blingdenstone and I was able to remember most of what was up with Blingdenstone um big thing being that in Out of the Abyss where it's pulling the information from there is a kind of a side adventure, the happenings in Blingdenstone are that there is the Pudding King. And I kind of knew that, and I remembered it was a little unique. Um, I had forgotten, I guess, how, like, you know, weird Dungeons & Dragons it was, right? Anything in the Underdark is probably a little more on the weird side for Dungeons & Dragons, because you've got the, the puddings and they, uh, you know, Green Ronin um, added in the badgers, uh, I made some changes to make the Blingdenstone less occupied. I figured that was actually easier than I didn't have to remember all of the ins and outs about Blingdenstone. Because um, then the party wouldn't be digging too deeply. They would simply say, oh, okay, well, they're kicked out of their homes. Let's go solve the problem. Um, it did create a situation where the party's wondering, or at least half of the party's characters are wondering why they're messing around in Blingdenstone with the gelatinous cubes instead of just going back to Menzo Berenson. Uh, that led me to another thing that I find, I guess, interesting. Maybe not. The I had prior to that session hinted that, um, you know, with Draki, that there was yet another seal that had broken. Um, you know, in my text to Draki's player and at this point i thought the players would better understand what's happening with the seals and how they fit in and what the players roles the characters roles are with them it seems like they're not which is fine i have a couple of other ways i'm going to build that out and since i know my players listen to this i'm not gonna reveal too much but i i think I have a couple of ways of playing it and we'll see kind of what the theories and what their thoughts are about the seals and uh, the character's role in everything um, and better understand that. But it does provide me with an opportunity to make the Pudding King actually someone who is important to the party. Um, on the one hand, I guess that's a bit of playing the Quantum Ogre, no matter where you go, it just happens to be important. Um, I feel like maybe another way of explaining it, though, is that they're dealing with these entities that are able to see and move through time in ways that we can't. So their ability to know and understand the future is greater than theirs, and their ability to help adjust the party to get to just the right thing, even subtly, um, I think is also important. So... Um, you know, that's kind of the way I'm justifying it. Anyway, for the character or the players who are listening, tonight should be a lot of fun. I'm going to try a new, um, something new on Roll20. Did a little research on Roll20. Um, so we'll see how that goes. 
Um, and they'll get more plot development. I think we're coming to a spot where we're, you know, low singles of sessions away from ending the first book, as it were, of this adventure. Uh, where I think book one is will have a full story arc to it, and we're coming closer and closer to what I had planned to be the climax of the book. And uh, we'll maybe roll through a denouement for that. And then um, we'll, uh, we'll look into whether or not we're going to do, how we're going to look into book two. Because this depends on the real world. So anyway, those were my thoughts. I, I did appreciate the party, the players being patient as I pulled up a new map and kind of threw some new stuff together. Um, I just wonder, I feel like overall not a lot happened. Like when I write out what happened, I don't include, you know, and I describe it, I don't include all of the fun conversation, you know, and sometimes some of the best sessions are we bought a shield and that's basically the only plot event that happened, but it was a lot of fun to just role play and interact. They did have, you know, two kind of, I think, interesting fights. Uh, they laid their ambush in, um, and then they had their fight with the oozes uh, as they entered. They did have some, I think, kind of fun roleplay moments. Um, you know, I like Cedra's character, um, kind of her her snarky um, disdain. Um, it was just kind of nice, and I think that they, the Sniffnerblin, those deep gnomes that they interacted with, were nice. I have a good reason for why they were a little weird, um, even for deep gnomes. So um, and that'll, I think, come up this next game. Another thing I thought was interesting is I have a lot of threads, or rather players have built a lot of different threads for what their characters are interested in and what their interests are and how they don't always jive with the group. And there were several times throughout the session where the characters were acting in ways that weren't exactly in line with the interests of the group, but were in line with what their characters are interested in. And I think that that's kind of cool. Some of them were noticed, and I think some of them were not. Um, you know, I ended up texting, like a good example of this, the character for John murdered the dro that they had bound um, with his life-stealing dagger, and that was related to a couple of other things that had been happening. But no one even barely heard that that happened because he was waiting for a time when it would make most sense for John's character to go do it. There's a distraction. They're able to kind of walk away, and everyone can kind of forget about the the dro guard that they had. Um and he chose a perfect moment, and the players, I don't think, fully knew that that was happening. We ended up texting each other during the session saying, I don't think anyone even heard me say what I just did. Uh, so I thought that was kind of fun. That was cool. Um, so we'll see. Anyway, next session should be really great. I appreciate your listening. This is a shorter podcast this time, just getting prepped for tonight. So, all right, stay safe out there.